Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sovereign, the decentralized Bitcoin trading and lending platform. You can protect your Bitcoin with four levels of armor, which are audited smart contracts, secure oracles, insurance fund, and open source. Three key features include margin trading and swaps, borrowing and lending, and liquidity. For more information, go to Sovereign.app. Again, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N.app. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest all the way out in the UK working on a really cool project that's going to allow for some awesome lending backed by Bitcoin and a ton of other amazing features. Uh, We have Eden with Sovereign. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Well, glad you could join us. We're going to unpack everything that you have going on with Sovereign. But before we do that, I want to learn more about you. Can you give us some background on yourself? Sure. So I um, got into Bitcoin because I was reading papers about network science in 2011. I stumbled across the Bitcoin white paper and it blew my mind. And I basically abandoned within relatively short order everything else I was doing to get into Bitcoin. And the reason was I come from a family that has gone through experiences with inflation, gone through experiences with government confiscation of funds, government trying to take our liberties in various ways. I had to smuggle gold as a child for a while just to get money to my family. When I came across the Bitcoin white paper, I realized this was going to be more valuable than the internet itself because what it did is it created property rights for the internet, the first digital property rights. And the implications of that are huge. And so one of the weird things to me has been that people do not, you know, people talk about all kinds of things in the crypto space, world computers, scarcity, but this fundamental idea that what we're actually doing is creating digital rights and specifically digital property rights, I think is the foundation on top of which everything else is built. That's really cool that you bring that up. You're one of the first to kind of bring it in that landscape and also through that lens. I definitely want to kind of unpack that a, little, a bit more. So again, you got in around 2011. You have the experience just in regular world, having to provide for your family, whether it be through gold, seeing inflation. And then basically you decided, I'm all in on this. I'm going to find a way to, to get in. You, you've been in this thing for a decade. Kind of walk us through how you saw this as being more of a, a, a store, kind of like you said, those, those property and how it's kind of evolved into now of what you built over at Sovereign. Right. So maybe we should start with a bit of a mystery, right? So the internet's been around now and popular for about 25 years. Everyone predicted that the internet would massively increase economic productivity, right? Everyone's now connected. Everything can be formed into data. The information flows. You would expect to see massive productivity growth, massive economic growth. But what we've actually experienced over the last 20 years is stagnation in productivity growth. And this seems really weird. Now, if you ask a typical Bitcoiner why this is happening, 
They'll tell you it's because the fiat system is corrupt. They'll tell you because uh, governments introduce misspending and misallocation of resources. And all of that is true, but we also had that before, right? So you would think that introducing a technology like the internet would at least, all things being equal, improve. But what we've seen instead is a relatively small number of companies and a relatively small number of CEOs become incredibly wealthy through tech companies, but most economic growth stagnates, most people in many ways doing less well. So this is a mystery. Why did this happen? And I think there's actually a very simple reason for why this happened. And that reason is that the internet is 21st century technology, right? But it's married to Iron Age political economic technology, right? Uh, there are no property rights on the internet. We are basically all serfs, right? The land barons are Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, Jeff Bezos, and we get to exist in their space. But if we say something about vaccinations, which they don't like, they can kick us off Twitter. We don't get to accrue any value for the, the work that we're doing. And, you know, this isn't just social media. It's also like, the games that we play, right? So like EVE Online, you don't actually own anything. You, can't, you, you can build an entire empire, but you can't take any of it off. And so what you end up with is a system with 21st century technology, but the economic structure of the Soviet Union. And so as a result, all of this economic growth that we would expect to see, this productivity growth that we would expect to see, and this improvement in people's lives that we would expect to see hasn't happened. And if you think about what the Soviet Union was, the Soviet Union was 20th century technology, right? Industrial technology married with Iron Age economic thinking, and it collapsed. So the reason Bitcoin and digital property rights is so exciting is because it's for the first time we marry 21st century technology, the internet, with 21st century economic and political structures, right? The ability to protect digital rights and not just protect digital rights, but protect property rights in a way which is borderless, like the internet, and which also doesn't require violence, but only requires cryptography, which is a huge improvement. And what has been the result? The result has been that in 12 years, we've gone from zero to a $2 trillion industry, 100 different unicorns, different projects that are worth over a billion dollars, a nation state adopting this, and we're only at the beginning. We are now at the very beginning of the greatest period of wealth creation that humanity will ever experience. And it's because we have this new frontier, the internet, which was like discovering America, right? And what made America so wealthy is not that they just discovered new land, but they also had property rights and freedoms. So we've got like our new America. Our generation has a new America. The difference is that our America is the digital space and it's infinite. There's no end to this frontier. So it's a very, very exciting time to be alive, but it would never have happened if Satoshi Nakamoto hadn't invented the ability to create digital property rights. You gave us a lot to unpack there, and I just want to unpack a couple of things. And man, for everyone listening, go ahead and run that back. A lot of great gems just dropped in there. And the one that really spoke to me through that was the concept of the internet, right? And, and the, the 21st century technology, but using old Iron Fist types of ways of going about it. And when you think about the ecosystems that have even been built on Web 2.0, the, the internet, if you will, even though the internet's supposed to be this infinite thing, there's only a few worlds that you really live in. And because they're dominated, they want to keep you in the ecosystem. And, and like you said, you can come provide all this value, but you don't have any of the equity of that platform that's been made. Whereas in something right. like with, uh, with the Bitcoin, 
and, and why I also believe this is the greatest wealth generation of, of, uh, that we're ever going to see because finite supply, because of scarcity, because of being able to be borderless in something that anyone can own and can be used anywhere as an exchange of, of value in all of these other things. Like you said, because of everything being infinite, now the world's become a lot larger and there's a lot of different spaces people can come in and have true impact. And that is what is going to continue to drive all of this value that is going to be made. It's the new age financial system. I mean, we really like something that's being disrupted. I mean, there's, there's two prones that I also want to add to kind of what you just said is that property standpoint of, of like you own this, but it's also shaking up an entire financial institution that has been changed in thousands of years as you really think about it. So I mean, man, thanks for, for, for sharing that, but also just what's your take on that as well of like how it's also disrupting the financial side of things? So I think the financial side is only a part of it, right? So what we're really fundamentally doing is recreating an entire socio-political system, right? We're creating the institutions which protect our freedoms. And the institutions that have protected our freedoms for the last 5,000 years have been institutions based on violence. And sometimes they've been better and sometimes they've been worse, but they've been based on this idea of borders and violence. The internet created this infinite frontier, right? Connecting all the people in the world. And it made, as a result, borders irrelevant. Cryptography made violence irrelevant. But our current institutions haven't caught up to that idea. In fact, they never will. What we are doing with Bitcoin with the entire crypto space is we're actually creating the institutions of the future that we, our children, our grandchildren, and the generations that will come after will live in. This is great power, but it also is a great responsibility, and we should take it very, very seriously. I think the right way to think about this is not as decentralized finance, but as decentralizing society, decentralized institutions. And I think one interesting way to think about that is, you know, Bitcoin is the world's first global institution, right? It's the first institution which all people in the world participate in, which treats all people in the world equally and tries to give all people in the world equal access to. And that particular institution is an institution for the creation of sound money. But on top of that, we can build other institutions which are also designed to be global and to take advantage of this new way of thinking about how you coordinate people. If you think about what a blockchain is, a blockchain is a method of coming to consensus, right? It's, the, the blockchain isn't what's important. What's important is the consensus, right? The blockchain is the tool. The consensus is the product. And, and, and that is very, very exciting. The ability to scale uh, the way that we interact and benefit each other and cooperate as, as individuals. And, you know, Coming back to this idea of finance that you were describing, the reason that it started with finance is because, you know, Bitcoin was a money and now we're building on top of that this decentralized financial layer. When you introduce property rights, you introduce the ability for people to own things. And then people, as a result, there's new things of value that can get created. You create new opportunities for innovation. And then the first thing that needs to happen is that this new um, world of institutions needs to finance itself. And that's what we're seeing happening right now. It's a self-financing revolution. It's a really remarkable and extremely interesting thing. And I 
I wish more people were sort of able to see how big, how important and how exciting what we're doing is. And honestly, that's the, the point of what we have going on with this show is to just introduce these kind of ideas and the concepts that you're talking about right now. You know, you have to hear some a few different times, a few different ways before it like truly connects. And I really feel like there's going to be a lot of people that hear what you're saying and it's finding in a click and be like, yes, this makes perfect sense. Like property, I can, I can grasp that. And that's why in a lot of ways, when I, when I talk to people about uh, Bitcoin, whether it's a store of value, whether it is meant for um, to be exchanged, whether what have you, however, it's being used, just like you said, it's giving people the access to make those decisions. You can do what you want with it, but you own it. Going back to the property concept. But I do want to go into what Sovereign is doing. So with all of that information, with all of that knowledge, how is Sovereign taking the approach that you're talking about and now giving it back to the world? We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. Right. So if you think about Bitcoin uh, as the base, right, Bitcoin invented this new concept of digital property rights, but it applied it very, very narrowly. It applied it only to BTC, right? Now, this is not a bug. It's a feature. Bitcoin did this because Bitcoin wants to have the highest degree of possible consensus. And when you are introducing a new rule set, which is what effectively a money is or a new blockchain is, you want to introduce as few rules as possible so that as many people can come to consensus around them as possible. And that's the genius of Bitcoin. And it's why Bitcoin has no equal. It's because Bitcoin is asking so little of you, right? All you need to agree is that if someone sends you a Bitcoin, you've received the Bitcoin. That's it, right? Now, that said, we want to generalize this principle. We want to be able to provide digital property rights to all types of assets, not just even digital assets. We would like to be able to digitize real world assets as well so that we can transact with them in this global marketplace. So Ethereum has tried to do this. Ethereum and other smart contract platforms try to generalize the principle through NFTs and through DeFi and through various types of tokens, etc. The problem with those systems is that those systems started off with a misunderstanding of what we are actually doing here in the first place. You know, the idea there, for example, that Ethereum called itself a world computer just goes to illustrate how they misunderstood. And Vitalik is an extremely intelligent and thoughtful person, but he misunderstood the fundamental thing, that it wasn't a technology that we were creating. The innovation here was an institution. And there's a conflict between those two. And the big conflict is that institutions need to last your entire life, the life of your children, right, your grandchildren, You'd need to, if you're taking a pension, know that the system, the institution that is protecting your pension is going to be there for 50 years. If you save in Bitcoin, you need to know that in 100 years or 50 years, you know, it's going to be the same system. Technology works on a completely different logic. Technology is constantly changing, constantly evolving, constantly updating. Right? This does not work as an institution. It's, it's, it's a tool that an institution can use. So what Sovereign does 
is Sovereign marries these two ideas, right? It takes the solid foundations that Bitcoin is and marries to that the idea that you can generalize the principle of property rights. And so building on top of Bitcoin, Sovereign is a layer that extends Bitcoin and allows Bitcoin to effectively take this idea of generalizing property rights to any type of property and in fact, any type of right. And so with Sovereign, for example, there's a system now where two people, the the first people who did it, two people got married, right? Using the Sovereign system, their marriage is protected not by the state, but by Bitcoin. There's systems for trading and borrowing, right? Protected not by a bank, but by Bitcoin. There's a system for governance, which we call the bitocracy, which helps govern this institution, which we call sovereign. Protected not by any government, right? But by the Bitcoin miners themselves. I think this is the most exciting thing which could possibly emerge, right? Because you're, you're marrying all of this innovation that's happening in smart contract platforms to the solid foundation and creating as a result, building on top of Bitcoin, an institutional revolution which is going to, I think, impact everything that we all do in the future. Definitely. And by having the lens of it being an institution, like you said, you want an institution that you are playing the long game for to be creating that value that you can give to your kids and their grandkids and so on. Something that's going to be here for the long run. And I firmly believe that Bitcoin's not going anywhere, anywhere. In this, in- That's the genius of Bitcoin. It's designed to be like a law of nature, block after block after block, consistent, reliable. I sometimes say, you know, all of these smart contract platforms are software, right? But Bitcoin is, is not software. Bitcoin is permaware, right? It's something that is permanent. It's like hardware written into code. We've never had something like that before. Yeah, it's pretty genius. And even the concept of, you know, the, the last... Bitcoin mind is going to be 2140. So well, probably past any of our lifetimes, but even past that, because of its divisibility, Satoshi's, everything else, it, you can, it can still be used. And you can always go back and trace and follow the entire blockchain at that point. I mean, there's never been a more transparent financial system ever. I mean, you look at it, and, and I know we're trying to get away from the, the financial side of it, but just the amount no, of no, transparency. No, the financial side is important. Right? And we're seeing right now that the, the part that's easiest for us to concentrate on is the financial side. First of all, because it's really exciting. right? You get to get rich. But also because it's like what we see in front of us. Right? You know, When the internet was being built out, someone had to lay fiber optic cable across the world. Right? And huge companies were acquired and they raised huge amounts of money to do that. If you hadn't done that, the internet wouldn't exist. So right now with the crypto space, we're in the same kind of situation. Huge amounts of infrastructure need to be built out, right? We need the money, right? We need the payment mechanisms like Lightning Network. We need the smart contract mechanisms, et cetera. We need to integrate these with other parts of our world. And then you know, once that happens, you can start integrating them also with things like gaming worlds and virtual environments and, and decentralized internet, decentralized courts, all of these things are higher up in the, in the stack. And so what we're doing now is we're basically funding the base layers of the stack ourselves. And this economy is so productive, right? Most of the money that is in crypto didn't come from the outside. It was created by crypto itself because real wealth, real productivity, real innovation happened in the space itself. So it's basically funding itself. So I think that's the really exciting part about the finance thing. But the finance thing is just the, you know, if, if Bitcoin is the seed, 
then the finance is the water that you pour in the seed. And we, the tree is only just starting to grow. Absolutely. And even on that note, one of the things that I think will continue to also be important is the concept of stable coins because of volatility and everything that's going on and just the ability to be able to get in and out of things. I believe that Sovereign also has an approach to that. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? That's right. So I've for a long time thought that if we manage to develop stable coins, which are decentralized, I'm not talking about Tether or USDC, which can be shut down tomorrow, right? I'm talking about truly decentralized stable coins. It's basically game over. And the reason it's game over is because regular people will be able to start adopting this for day-to-day transactions. We'll never need to go through a bank again. We'll have an easy on-ramp and off-ramp. It's basically a replacement for the fundamental way that you reach everyday people in their everyday lives with crypto, right? The problem is we haven't really had a truly decentralized uh, stablecoin, not a reliable one. So MakerDAO was really exciting, but MakerDAO has, is not truly decentralized anymore. 52% of the collateral in MakerDAO is USDC. So it's basically a wrapper for USDC. But what we now have uh, with Sovereign is we're introducing Bitcoin-backed stablecoins. And what that means is that people collateralize with Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin is held like in a vault, right? And you, you basically take your Bitcoin and you, and you borrow money, you borrow, borrow dollars to yourself, right? You're lending to yourself, right? So you lock up that Bitcoin and then the system creates dollars representing and that can be exchanged for that Bitcoin. But that Bitcoin just remains as the collateral. And now people can start transacting in a token, which is worth a dollar, is not volatile in comparison to fiat currencies. Um, But no one can stop your transactions. No one can censor your transactions. It's a fully permissionless system. Uh, So for example, one of the first places that we're working to implement this is with El Salvador, right? Because El Salvador is a country which on the one hand has Bitcoin as legal tender, but on the other hand has dollars as legal tender. So they have the permission this sovereignty that Bitcoin gives them and sort of like the fiat stability that dollars give them, and they marry that together in Bitcoin-backed stablecoins. So I think what we're working to create, and we already have like the first example of this, is called dollar on chain, and as part of the, is, is used in sovereign. You know, the first true examples of reliable, decentralized, permissionless stablecoins. And I think that as a result, we are much, much closer to game over. It's really interesting that you bring that up because as people look at stable coins, a lot of the time they really forget that they're not truly decentralized in a lot of ways. They're still, I mean, a lot of them pegged to the dollar, right? And with that and everyone that runs it, a lot of them are still having to report back out to the SEC, maybe not USDT, but USDC. Like there's, there's some trails in there that, like you said, they can flip a switch and, and here, here you go. But with something like this, just like you say, with it truly being pegged to Bitcoin. And again, if you use, are able to get that as collaterals first, your first inception is to get Bitcoin and then have a place. Well, now you can get access to a dollar amount, if you will, to then go and exchange and, and do other things with it. But then know that you still have this collateral on deck that you can go back and re- retrieve at any given point. You literally are financing yourself. You're almost, you're your own bank at that point. You never right? have to sell Bitcoin again. Right. You yeah. can just finance your like if you need to pay rent, like if I need to pay rent, what I do is I borrow against my Bitcoin. Right. And I, you know, I need to pay. So there's a new project being built on Sovereign. So Sovereign itself is a very young system, right? It's been live for less than five months. 
but it's growing very, very fast. It's drawing a lot of intellectual firepower, right? Like really smart people have started contributing to the project. It's totally open source and decentralized. And a whole bunch of like independent projects have started working in the sovereign ecosystem. One of them is called Zero. And Zero is a project which is going to be probably launch probably launching in a few weeks, right? And what Zero does is it allows you to collateralize your Bitcoin and borrow against it, like give yourself a loan, but you pay 0% interest. And how can you pay 0% interest? Because you're the lender and the borrower, right? So if I want to pay rent, right? I just put Bitcoin into the system. I borrow against it. And then, you know, I can fund all of my day-to-day activities in that way. I never need to leave the Bitcoin system ever again. Right. So my initial question to that, because I'm just curious. So what happens if said person who's lending to themselves never pays it back? Is it just that it just will forever stay within the sovereign ecosystem? And then if they do pay it back, then they can get it back because there's no interest. I'm just, I'm just curious, like how that piece of it would work. Yeah. So there are dollars that are circulating right now. If everyone never paid back their loans, then at some point there would be a lot of dollars circulating, right? But maybe there wouldn't be enough demand for those dollars, right? Some people would want to get the Bitcoin back. And so the price of that dollar would start to drop. It wouldn't drop a lot. It would drop, you know, a few cents on the dollar, right? But the system has a a mechanism where if, if it does start to drop, there's the ability to start effectively liquidating the, the Bitcoin. Um, so that people who have these tokens can get Bitcoin out. And so basically the reason it's worth a dollar is because you always know that under any circumstance you can convert it to a dollar's worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, so that's why it's always got a dollar's value. Um, And so at some point you might find yourself in a situation where you do want to pay these loans back, right? Because otherwise you'd basically be drawing down on your Bitcoin. It would be like you'd be selling Bitcoin. It's kind of like if you buy a television, right? It's like, buy now, pay later, right? But it's actually not clear that we would ever reach the pay later stage because if there continues to be more and more demand for these dollars, you know, for 10, 20, 30 years, uh, maybe maybe that never happened. So maybe it's buy now, pay maybe later. Gotcha. Okay. And then the, the final element of it, I believe you're also starting to do some, some launch pads off of Sovereign as well. Are you able to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so another project is called Origins. Origins is a launch pad allowing now projects to start launching and raising funds to build on the sovereign ecosystem, to build in the Bitcoin ecosystem, to raise treasury in the form of Bitcoin in the best currency ever or stable coins. And a bunch of different projects are, 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 are signing up to, to try and do this. So it's like a project called MintLayer, who are also building technologies around like DeFi for Bitcoin, there's decentralized Bitcoin mining pool that is interested. There are wallet projects. And so an entire ecosystem, that's, that's the amazing thing, right? When you create these property rights, a self-enforcing system where anyone in the world can be creative, anyone can innovate. And what's different about Origins is, you know, it's not like an ICO boom where anyone can just go and create what they want. The beauty about Origins is it's self-governing. So the Origins community decide whether or not they're going to allow and they vet the projects. They do due diligence on the projects before allowing the project to get listed. And so it's basically regulation without a regulator, right? We're, these are, the, the, this is what's really exciting is we're, we're starting to build true institutions for a well-functioning society, for a transparent financial system without any need for the SEC. Sometimes people worry that countries will ban Bitcoin. But I think what's really going to happen is that Bitcoin is going to ban countries. That's going to be the opposite because yeah. 
it, I really see Bitcoin at this point being an immovable force. And like if countries do try to ban it, it's not like people aren't going to find a way to make sure that Bitcoin keeps moving forward. It's really at the point I believe it's too big to fail. I think for the first, you know, let's call it five, seven years, there's a lot of opportunity for it to crash and burn. It's, it, it's sustained the test of time. And as soon as I started seeing some institutions get into it, they, it's not going anywhere. So, man, you've so given it's not, us- it's not, it's not just, it's old world institutions are getting into it, right? But right. we're, we, right? What's exciting, I think, for our generation is we are creating the institutions of the future, right? So zero, for example, which I was talking about, zero is a lending institution, right? What is an institution? An institution is a set of rules for people to collaborate. Basically, that's what it is, right? That and, and, the, and the mechanism for enforcing that. So zero is a lending institution. A dollar on chain is a institution for creating dollars. What dollar on chain does is it competes with the Fed, right? That, that's its competition. Origins competes with the SEC on protecting and with NASDAQ, right? Also two big institutions. Institutions is a very abstract word, but when you start thinking about it in specific examples, right? And this is also why I raised the, the, the marriage thing, right? When you create a smart contract, which you know, allows people to have their vows and share their wealth, and if they get divorced, split their wealth, right? That's, an institu- that's the marriage institution. It's one of the oldest, most important institutions in human society, and we are recreating it without recourse to a church, without recourse to you know, a court system in Vegas. Right. So, so we're rebuilding everything. It's really cool. And there's so much more, I'm sure that is on the way. And, you know, I really appreciate you spending time, like breaking all the, the three elements down that Sovereign has to offer. But as we kind of come to the end and, and wrap up this discussion, I always like to finish on two final fun questions. One being with all the information that you have right now, if you can go and impart one to two pieces of wisdom to yourself when you first got started in this space, what would you tell yourself? I got into Bitcoin quite early. I've never really sold Bitcoin. But what I have done is I've lost Bitcoin. You know, it was in the early days, it was very hard to secure your keys. So I've lost a bunch of Bitcoin that way. So I would, you know, tap myself on the shoulder and tell myself, you know, be careful. And I think another thing which I've noticed is a lot of people get very, very I've seen so many people get very, very wealthy, right? And I've seen how it has made them less happy people. I've seen how it's made them less good people. And so I think one very important lesson is that wealth is the start. Wealth is the option, right, to do things with your life. But if you don't have principles about what you want to be and how you want to impact the world, then that lack of constraint actually makes you miserable. It sounds like a rich person's problem, and it is. But for, you know, people who are involved in the space, many of them will become wealthier than they ever expected. That is not a goal. It's not a good goal. So I think that's one lesson that I've learned. You're the first person that's answered that way. And I, I appreciate that. I think it is important because people who are getting in this, like, especially if you look at the next decade, this will be the largest amount of wealth generation ever made. People who have, who have never conceived this type of actual money coming to them. And like you said, money can change people. And I think by having good core principles and, and things that they abide by and understanding that Wealth isn't the end game. It is a, a means to all of the work that you're doing. I think that is a really good and solid reminder. So I, thank you for that. I, I definitely appreciate that. Not just for my audience, but even for myself. So thank, thank you for that. As we kind of wrap up here, man, what is a final thought that you want to leave with all the listeners here today? I always leave people with the same thought. Stay sovereign. That's a good one. What are ways that people can connect with you, learn more about sovereign as well? 
So Sovereign is going through an exciting time now. Uh, the SOV token, which is the governance token, is being listed on the first exchanges. It was listed last week on Ascendex. It's being listed this week on a couple of exchanges, or at least on Gate. And I think there's a number of other exchanges that seem to be planning to list it as well. So it's never been easier to sort of figure out how to get involved. I would suggest everyone try go to Sovereign.app. So that's S-O-V-R-Y-N.app. The website is very, very basic because it's not, you know, what's what's more important is that you click on the enter app and then you will see like the entire world of Sovereign open up in front of you. I sometimes say, you know, uh, Bitcoin is the orange pool, right? Sovereign is Wonderland, right? So if you fall down the rabbit hole, I think eventually you end up in Sovereign. I am Idan Yago. So on Twitter, I'm at Idan, E-D-A-N-Y-A-G-O, Yago. Perfect. Uh, Aidan, thank you so much again for joining us and for everyone listening. Stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Renee Wa. I like their way of describing, detailed and simple at the same time. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.